Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. Now today we'll be picking up where we left off with the previous podcast of the art panel's discussion from the Palenque Norte lectures at the 2006 Burning Man Festival. If you listen to part one, you'll remember that Alex and Allison Gray were joined by Martina Hoffman and Roberto Venosa in the big tent at in Theon Village on Friday afternoon where they discussed the future of visionary art. When we left them, uh, Roberto Venosa had just finished answering a question from the audience and the question that followed came from somewhere at the far back of the tent and since I didn't have a microphone that reached back that far it's now impossible to hear exactly what was being asked but as best as I can make it out the question had to do with Allison's idea of creating a temple or a sacred space in your own home or community and so we'll pick up with the panel's response and then continue on from there but uh, before I begin playing this talk, I want to let you know that I'm going to do something a little different when it ends. Before I add my closing remarks, I'm going to play a short selection of the talk that immediately followed the art panel. And in it, Eric Davis gives what I think is a beautiful description of the importance of visionary art and the continuing evolution of our culture. And even though I played Eric's entire talk a couple of podcasts ago, I believe it'll be worth your time to listen to his rap about visionary art again, but this time it'll be in the same context as it was when the people first heard it on the playa. So let's finish with the Q&A that the art panel did with the audience, and then we'll uh, hear some of Eric Davis's thinking about visionary art. Okay, you're 21 years old, you're just starting out, you know, and the temple you want to build is you, you know, that's where it all starts. And, and the more you expand your, your, your spirit, your, your consciousness, you know, the more that temple inspires other people and you start attracting to you the people necessary for you to build the physical temple on the outside of you. But you're where it starts, so just make that full of, you know, shit and vinegar, man. You're full of love, keep, keep expanding your consciousness, go towards the light, and uh, watch what happens. Well, I'm sure Alex and Allison could use a lot of volunteers and people, you know, on their staff, and, you know, we might need you at some point, so just, uh, you know, let's stay connected in that way. I mean, well. I, I recommend, you know, if you want to have a spiritual life, I, one of the, there are a lot of ways of doing that, but I recommend creating sacred space. I mean, you know, what, 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 I know, that's what you're talking about, and that's, I'm totally there. It's just, you know, it's just, if you, if you want to have a spiritual life, you know, make it your goal to create, I mean, yeah, make it make it your spiritual life to make sacred space, and I invite you to uh, you know work with us. I mean, people who want to can make the chapel sacred mirrors, and I wish more and more people would. I mean, because that's you know what I wanted to be. That's what I'm going to be doing, 
And that's where the original paintings of Alex's are going to be. And see, Alex's work will be relics. There are a lot of relics in this community. And like, we've got some pretty interesting ones. And, but Alex's work will be that. And uh, maybe some other artists around here, too. And uh, so where that original work is going to be, I want it to be a chapel. I don't want it to be somebody's living room or, you know, somebody's, uh, you know, vault where they bought it and they put it away in a freezer, you know, somewhere so maybe one day it'll be valuable. I don't want that. I want it to be somewhere where the, our community can share it. I would really like it if that could happen in a permanent kind of way, like making me feel like this is its home, its final home, designed by Alex. I would really love it if that could happen in my lifetime because I would enjoy it so much. And that's why I keep appealing to people because we don't, you know, we, we, we depend on people to honor the work in order to do that. So I would love to see that happen in my lifetime, but I, I really do feel that if it doesn't, well, who knows what will happen to the work. Maybe it will go spread out all over into different people's living rooms and vaults. It'll be reproduced in books and everyone can still see it. But, you know, it'd be nice to have the original somewhere available to the public and in order to do that, you know, a place has to be made. And I'd like that place to be a sacred place. I think it will be a sacred place. Yeah, yeah I, I thank you, Allison. And I agree uh, with uh, Roberto that, uh, you know, you develop your special skills at, at this point, the things that are really, uh, you, what you discover in yourself that you really love to do. And uh, maybe, uh, by the time that those skills are developing and things, that uh, we'll, we'll need a lot of hands to actually physically build things. Yeah. So, thanks. Next, yes, and... I, I think that that's a, uh, a truly visionary idea. It's kind of what the people of Dom and Her did when they uh, gathered together. There's hundreds of people who live in this village uh, around the, uh, in, uh, uh, near Turin in Italy, and they built a temple in a mountain, and uh, they also create a sustainable uh, relationship and try to create themselves as a model. Uh, they're integrating the alternative energy resources and everything like that. So this community is, is uh, they also are uh, into the sort of game playing uh, in a visionary way that would allow them to, uh, you know, envision this uh, future that we're hoping for. I think that that's a great, uh, it's a great adjunct to this vision of, look, if we're able to build physical uh, arenas, that we have to think in these terms, that there's an educational and a, uh, a core uh, think tank facility involved in it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to say that, uh, yes, that I love that model. And that in addition to that model, um, imagine, we're imagining here. We're just imagining. It's like we're making it up. But I think the chapel happened. We made it up. Um, anyway, I was just thinking about, like, all the bright livelihood businesses around here that we would love to inter-support, you know what I mean? Like if you had something like that, you know, businesses could support, uh, well, I mean, I know that if I had a business in my building, I would, I would want to give it to one of you guys. 
You know, I mean, like, like, like it's, it, it's interrelated. It's like we're interrelated. So we have to be interrelated economically to support something like a city or a, a building or, a, or whatever, or a community center. We have to be interrelated. Um, and we all are. We're doing that. And I think to be proud. Uh, I think at this point in time, uh, the university you're thinking about is here. It's a movable feast, and it's coming to these events, which are happening uh, in multitudes now all over the world, and the workshops that are given. Uh, you get some place like this with a Shulgin-Spi, Stan Goff, Alex, and uh, people like that. That's our university today, and. Uh, I know it's a little difficult to travel around to all of them, but come to one of these gives you enough food for thought to, to last you quite a while. Yes? Um, it seems to me that there's probably a lot of visionary artists in this room and yeah. who don't have as much fame as perhaps you guys do. Like, is there a way perhaps to leverage some of the fame you have to help bring to life all the magnificent artists probably in this room, like perhaps their art could show in here too, or um, some other way to bring to life all these question is that there's a lot of visionary artists in this room that are not known, but they have, you know, incredible expression, and they're just, and so he wants to equalize the, um, yeah. And how do we get the young people out there with the great art? Well, is there anybody who would like to come up and sit with us and be more prominent at this moment? Because, I, I mean, we, I think we're all on the same level, and I, I, I appreciate your comment, and I think, yes, we should have more, I think, what I'd like to see is when we have these uh, these congregations of visionary art and consciousness, I'd like to see more, I'd, I'd like to see bigger spaces for exhibitions so everybody can just come in, more people can come in and show their work. Very much though. I, I think that that's a great idea and you should do it. I, it's what I think. I mean, we're doing it. And, uh, you know, we, we have our Entheo art issue. We, we included a lot of great artists. Some of them are in this room and some of them are very far away. And I think that what you're saying is you're, you're, you're sort of thinking that more people should be included and you should do that. Curate it, you know? Who are the artists that you feel are being left out and then make a journal about it or make a publication about it? Make it your business to do that if that's where you're at. Uh, I think Carrie wants to say something. Okay, that's, yeah. Uh, Linda Burnham told me uh, the reason she did high performance was somebody said high performance magazine which was a, a great magazine about performance art uh, if you want to put yourself on your map uh, print the map you know and uh, so that's a, an empowering uh, statement and one that we're working on too with Cosm Press and stuff but the uh, um, I think that all you need to do is, is have more relationships, send emails, JPEGs, and uh, connect on the internet. There's a, a lot of interconnectedness that uh, can and continue to happen on the internet. And uh, young uh, artists, I'm introduced to people that blow my mind every day, you know. And uh, so I think that there is a, uh, a world, and we will... Uh, we are in the process of self-organizing and, and finding out how uh, we can interrelate and contribute to each other. Yeah, Karen. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you guys uh, what, if you've thought about sort of creating uh, like a, a template for uh, like proto-chapels, basically, to go across the world in some form of a network and create a grid of like 
domes like this with you know canvas prints and things that are basically what you're trying to achieve with the ultimate chapel, but as a means to sort of get there, you know, and showing your art and your art and creating this network of uh, you know proto chapels and temples that can basically be made pretty easily, but get the work out quicker, spread the means, but as well as generate more energy to get to the ultimate chapel for your originals. Like, it just seems like a, an idea that could facilitate. I think you're exactly right, uh, Carrie, and it was uh, predicted by a few people that that would be a way to go. And it's been happening with these festivals, like you just took your uh, dimethyl uh, temple, right, uh, to boom. And uh, so the, the meme can spread via these, uh, well, in your case, an astonishing uh, uh, temple structure, and, uh, but portable enough so that it, uh, it could visit many lands. I, uh, I agree with you there, you know, there, before there was a mother church in uh, <laughs> Christian science in Boston, there were a lot of little churches that led up to that. Yeah, Christian science reading rooms, you know, that led to the great mother church. So, uh, yeah, good. So, so like the whole, we are, I know, you know, we are making that possible for people. If you would like to have a little chapel in your home, you can buy frames. They all, every cent goes to the chapel. You can buy the little frames that we make, and we'll, we have a box set of cards that you can put, I mean, you can do this. If this is the way you want your altar to look, use the source. You know what I mean? Like, get the, get the stuff from the source, because that's called honoring the source. And so get it from us. It supports the chapel. And, you know, do your own altar if you want to with all your stuff on it. But if you want to use our stuff, you know, like, get on the source. It just, it, just, it just supports the whole honoring of originality. You know, be original. And who is original? And where is, and going inside, like we're all going inside and seeing that uniqueness, that unique creati creativity that we have. But yes, and in, 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 in your community, it's completely possible to do a replica. And work with us. We've got, we've, we're working on proposals for that. We've had several people just, you know, kind of asking about it. People have mentioned that. So, I, you know, we have things like that. So if you want to work with us on something like that, you know, you can. I would like to say one more thing about this. Um, I think it's really important to, um, uh, I mean, anybody here, sitting right here, um, I think has gotten here because we have really focused our lives, we've, given, we've, we've bled our soul blood into our work. We're standing behind it 100% and that's all we do. And um, so, yeah, putting yourself on the map by really, step, by really um, stepping up for what you have to offer to the world is, is what we need to do, or what you need to do. So, you know, cutting through apathy, you know, don't look up look inside, you know, look what you have. Don't look out there and create another church or another idol. That's not what we're trying to do here, and it shouldn't be done. I think we should all work on our highest potential and bring out this work and make it visible. So yes, you start your own chapels. Please go and do it. Yeah, and I think that's, that's really the, the future of visionary art to me, is to really incorporate all these different elements, these different forms, dance, 
movement, sound, words, um, light, whatever, what have you. I mean, to create this beautiful thing that goes beyond, you know, the two-dimensional space or the surface, the flat, and making uh, making it a real human experience. I think to create art that is that lives, that is built from our energy is really the goal here because, you know, what, even at this point, I mean, whatever we do, it these representations are just such bad images of what what we've all seen. You know, they're just such poor renditions of what's really out there and what and the beauty of that space. How can you ever sketch it, paint it? It's impossible. At least at this point, you know, we're trying really hard. And I think the digital medium has helped us along quite a bit. You know, to digitizing and using the fractal. Um, forms and something that would take a lifetime to create a painting that would really create. I mean, I, I love Renegade for that purpose, for that reason, because it's such, an, it's such a great attempt to really show the uh, visionary experience. And, um, and yeah, but I, I, I love doing this and, and I want to do some, I want to do it all the time. I got addicted to it, I think, you know, every, every chance I get, I jump for it because it's such an incredible um, field to be in, just to be fed by so many people and to be creating something that is so spontaneous and very different from what I do at home. And uh, just to be in the moment is really important to me and that's, uh, that's been a really enriching experience. So yeah, I love that. Um, let's see, I wanted to just underscore what uh, Martina mentioned about the uh, sort of uh, computer graphics, computer animation of the altered states, because I think that that's one of the other ways that uh, we mainstream the visionary reality uh, by bringing it more accessibility to the media, and that is happening now through the beauty and complexity of the computer animation. And so uh, the, these worlds are built completely out of the imagination and the tools that are all uh, virtual. And so uh, I'm still working with Tool, uh, and we're working on uh, mapping the net of being, which was the uh, sort of painting that I struggled with, and, but is at the, uh, uh, on the pavilion under the man uh, on one of the ends. And uh, this net of being is now something that we can journey through. And so, uh, in all kinds of ways, probably even computer games and things like this, certainly all things online and the, uh, the new kind of uh, cinema and uh, video uh, kind of worlds. This is uh, the, the, the entheogenic uh, visionary state is going to be more easily depicted. Uh, and so I think that this bodes well for the future of visionary art. I think that the, uh, as Shambhala, though, is uh, not only a week-long experience, uh, but the, uh, the question was about the association between the Burning Man and the uh, Tibetan concept of Shambhala and the uh, enlightened society. I, I think doing away with the economics aspect of it was a huge uh, step for uh, Americans. Uh, you know, I mean, there are costs, obvious, huge costs involved in coming to Burning Man, 
but the day-to-day -day activity is not necessarily about commerce. And uh, so it, there is a, uh, a, a your, your thoughts are freed up to uh, embrace uh, alternative ways of, of thinking about everything. And in that way, it is a modern mecca for uh, freaks like us. We have to uh, be, make the Hajj at least once in your lifetime. And uh, I think that uh, this is the world's largest uh, and freest assembly of celebratory, creative, um, you know, masterminds and visionaries. And uh, th this is creating a kind of energy that we're all enveloped by. And we each get downloaded with this new, uh, I, I think of art giving off a kind of nectar. And we are like little bees going around and collecting these experiences, these aesthetic nurturing experiences. And we are heavily laden with this honey uh, and uh, 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 with which we build temples, I guess. Uh, Um, I think, uh, in, since it is my first experience, maybe I'm really fresh and, uh, to this and I've noticed certain things about Burning Man and, and uh, I think it would be wrong to collapse ourselves into this sort of idea that this is all such a perfect, brilliant thing because I've noticed the energy shifting, for example, yesterday and so I, I'm so deeply grateful for this village here because it makes such a huge difference for the whole playa, I think. Because when you go out there, there's a lot of people who party hardy and they are very um, over the top right now. They're maxed out physically, emotionally. They're very tired. There's a little aggression in the air. And I was surprised at that. You know, the first few days was also, oh, you know, everybody was saying hello, good morning, how are you? You know, it's like smiling. And all of a sudden, it's changed. So, so this to create to create a an environment like this is more important than just that um, visionary uh, free for all out there. While I love it, I think to have these these spaces that place more importance on the sacred in our lives is really, really important, so, um, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you, and I wanted to just add that um, we, the reason, one of the reasons why uh, Burning Man is such a profound experience is because of, of its endurance. No matter, you know, you have to be here for a few days. I mean, most of us have been here for more than a few. So, you, you know, you, and you're, and it becomes intense and all of your stuff comes up. The aggression and, you know, the, the like boredom and hostility and loneliness, homesickness. I've seen it, I've seen a lot and you all have too. So everything gets to come up because, and if it weren't like that, it would be just so airy-fairy and it would be just so awful. I mean, it would just, you know, we really, we would hate it. I mean, God, you know, it's, it's like we create dramas and, you know, little ones hopefully, very small, but whatever it is, we can expect to see each other at our best and worst, probably. <laughs> You've seen me at my worst. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but, and, and it, it makes us, it bonds us. It's not just like oh, we dressed up and we looked real nice, we went out one night together. We really get to see each other at our worst and our best, because we dress up real good, go to parties, whatever. But, Anyway, that's what bonds us. That's what. That's why, like you know, months later, if I see you somewhere, you'll like remember. 
We remember seeing each other. We were at Burning Man. You're a burner? It's like a, it's a, well, it's a big, big club. It's the tribe, exactly. We all know that. So anyway, I don't want anyone to, uh, you know, I, I, just, I just think that we are going to see a lot of emotion of all kinds, all the time. Thank God for that. I don't know. We, we give these courses, you know, Bob and Martina and uh, Allison and I, Visionary Art Intensives. I produced an audio tape called The Visionary Artist, and you can explore your visions with vision practices, even in that kind of a thing. Um, so uh, there's all kinds of ways of accessing the visionary state. And uh, so, uh, yeah. Just one uh, sentence. So we, so we recommend having a, a spiritual, it's like a creative life. That's one of the things that we propose, all four of us, to everyone. Have a creative life. And I think everyone here has one. We just go around saying that, you know, to people. Like, you know, have a creative life. If you've left something out, dance, music, voice, whatever it is you feel like it was your creative life that you are not practicing, bring it back in. It doesn't have to, you don't have to become, you know, world famous. Just put it into your life because it's a spiritual practice. It's art as a spiritual practice. It's like if you do art every day or say five days a week, you know, make it a practice, it will be spiritual. It'll nurture, nurture you and nourish you and you will grow from it and you will have an inner life that comes out of it that you'll discover things about yourself and it'll transform you. Okay? And that's all it is. That's all a spiritual life is intended to do. And art can be a spiritual life. And I don't mean just painting. I mean any kind of creativity. Make sure you all have creativity in your life. Well, I think it's a, a component of health. I think that, that, that creativity is a component of health. Like, you wouldn't think, oh, I, I, I really, I'm going to give up that exercise thing. I really, it's an aspect of life that I really don't want to deal with. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Or if you do that, you, 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 you know that you shouldn't be doing that. So, but anyway, I think creativity is like that. It's an aspect of health. You either have it or you're blocking it. What, Susan? Second chakra, Susan says. You know, you either have it, you either have a creative life, in my, this is my unscientific opinion, you either have a creative life or you're blocking a creative life. And blocking is not good for your health. Uh, in response to her question about uh, how to get into visionary art and so on, um, yeah, there, there are a few workshops, not many of us who are out there really teaching. We give about four or five a year. I think Alex and Allison do the same. And uh, it's available, but it's difficult, I know that. Uh, but what I want to say is that what we get, we get this question many times from people who uh, feel that they don't have the talent within them to even start to attempt to do any kind of art. And I, I just want to say that you'd be amazed that we have people, and they will say the same thing, I can't draw a straight line. And uh, they come, they get courageous and they come to our workshop and after a week or two weeks, they've exposed their, we've helped them expose their, their, their creative abilities. And it's amazing what comes out of them. I'm, they're amazed and we're amazed. So, you know, it takes courage. Life is a, courage, a courageous act just to live with them. And art is even more, uh, you know, courageous confrontation. Because if you've never confronted a blank canvas and attempt to start to put your soul out on that canvas, 
you understand, it does take a lot of courage to do that. And uh, so, you know, just jump into it. If you feel you have this visionary urge, you want to paint, come talk to us. We'll do something with you. We'll show you how to get started. And that goes for everybody. Yeah, and just really practically, um, if you, I think the question was, um, how do I create visionary art versus regular art? Um, maybe shift your, um, shift your approach. Try experiment um, with, uh, uh, for example, try not to plan a piece, you know, just um, be open, see your creative process more as a meditation, you know, let go of your, um, of your left brain activity, you know, jump out of your mind and, and sort of uh, leave that structure for a while, leave your, your mental structure behind and just allow, um, allow these, these feelings you have and these, these um, visions that you might see, allow them to, to come forward, you know, just, and, and, and I think very important with any kind of creative act is uh, let go of judgment. There's a lot of judgment, I think, in, in, involved as we um, grow as artists at first. I mean, it's not easy to kind of see these things emerging and you're looking at them, you go, wow, is this, you know, what does that mean? It doesn't fit with, you know, the general um, imagery that is out there. And so, yeah, just... Um uh, I just want to say, too, that you approach the visionary art, if you want to have these visions manifest, is that you have to put ego aside. If you think you can plan a painting, uh, you know, it doesn't work that way with the visionary art. You, you have to become a channel, you really do, and just let yourself open up, attempt it, put everything aside, and let that flow through you, and see what comes out, and look into it. That's your language. That's, that's when the message starts. When that comes out, you onto the canvas, you're looking at it, it may be an abstraction, but then you can start looking into it and start building up this language. And then all of a sudden it becomes almost a drama in your life to finish that painting. And it becomes powerful. There's nothing more empowering, I tell you, than getting up from a full day painting and feeling real good about it. <laughs> Feel like Superman. So, and it is, it's a big energetic input to paint. I think that that's what we're all working on, you know? That's the problem that we're holding in our minds. How how do we bring uh, to form the universal uh, sort of spiritual uh, archetypes and icons that will uh, be a direct transmission from Godhead, if possible, you know? So we're trying to uh, continue to thin the veil between ourselves and the transcendental realm. Uh, our art reinforces uh, that experience in people and thereby uh, allows them to uh, have it operational somewhere in their consciousness and perhaps they... I don't know, you, you lose it if you do, you know? If it's your intention to uh, maintain your integrity, whatever that is, and if you happen to also uh, be a mainstream artist, I think uh, Fred Tomaselli has not sort of compromised his integrity. He's gone all the way and he's gone through the contemporary art world. It can be done. And uh, there's a lot more connections. We're having uh, like conversations with top flight art critics over at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors. We've had a... Uh, Jeffrey. 
Jeffrey Bergen, uh, who I don't know whether he's here or not, is uh, is a family member of one of the oldest galleries in New York City, and he's here at Burning Man, you know. And so there, a lot of the contemporary art world, of course, has been brought to the attention thanks to Daniel Pinchbeck and a number of other people, uh, Eric Davis, and and people have continued to put out Burning Man as for what it is, which is a tremendous infusion of positive creative energy that really acknowledges exactly where the human psyche is at, you know. Uh, hey, Mark. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question because uh, I think this came uh, up with, well, is there a level of compromise when you meet, reach mainstream status and like Richard Serra able to afford to exhibit your work, it, you know, at this humongous levels and uh, it takes so much money to do. It's a, it's a lot about the financiers. I don't know. I think that we have to just continue the conversation, you know, and those uh, effete, uh, uh, you know, levels of the art world that we're in contact with, make certain you bring it up in conversation, you know, and I saw the most awesome thing at, you know, such and so, at Burning Man, and uh, and you really ought to check it out. It's, it's really what's happening in the forefront of, of uh, art. And, uh, so, yeah. Can I change the subject? Is that okay? Can I, I just wanted to say there's another, before everybody starts to leave, because people are going to start to filter out soon, and we may take a couple more questions. I just wanted to say there's another conversation that I'd like us to continue to have in this community. It's an unrelated to visionary art, and it has to do with the family and parenting and, and the psychedelic uh, age. And, and I think that I'm not going to go into it because I'm not going to give my points of view or whatever, whatever. But I know that if you are parents and you are uh, of this community, that Let's keep the conversation going. You know, how do we, how do we deal with the, the, the on the one hand what we fear about uh, you know about psychedelics and our children, and on the other hand what we also know, which is that it's the source of our spiritual life. So um, for many of us. So anyway, uh, I just think that conversation has to continue. We can go back to visionary art. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, if I may just offer a little anecdote, just address Mark's question. Um, a beautiful artist by the, by the name of Marty Klawein, many of you know who he, he was, uh, did something really fantastic. He uh, actually walked into the Metropolitan Museum and with one of his pieces and he hung it on the wall. It took a while to be discovered and maybe that's what we need to do. We just need to overwhelm, yeah, storm, storm the castle. I just want to say that we'd love to have you uh, join all of us in this vortex of visionary art in these three years. You can come, all of you come and talk to us. You know, we can continue this conversation. And it'd probably be a lot easier, more comfortable. I mean, it's a little nerve-wracking to speak between, you know, in front of whatever, how many people are here, 500 people. So you forget a lot of what you want to say and you get a little jammed up. But come to the yurt and we'll, be, we'll give you a drink, be comfortable, and we'll answer your questions in depth. Please do. Yeah, and and we have we have paper in in the yurt, and if you don't have any materials, you can come and just 
you know, experiment if you just want to hang out or just explore, whatever. So. We love you. I'm sure everyone wants to give their last remarks, but I, I just love you so much. Thank you for this opportunity to bond with the uh, community of Burning Man and the visionary art community and the uh, science and spirituality that uh, allows us to see our own spirit within. Love to you. just want to give thanks again for your presence and uh, that's all I have to say. Much love. Uh, well, I'm afraid to wash my hair because it'll probably turn to cement and I'll be shedding playa dust for a month and a half but it's all been so well worth it. I mean, I just love you people so much. What you fed me, Martina, these last days made that that year to Taj Mahal. I love you all much. Thank you. God bless you. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is something I call the post-human self, and I'll get to it later in terms of exactly what I mean by that somewhat odd phrase, but I wanted to start off talking a little bit about visionary art because that's where we are. It's something that I've been fascinated with for many years and have uh, written some about and done a lot of uh, studying about. And what I want to reflect on a little bit, I mean, you, you, you can see part of the attraction here, just even this afternoon and in this in, in Entheon Village, uh, is not just to the reality of visionary art, but the fact that there are visionary artists. And inevitably, a certain kind of her heroism comes into our feelings about the great visionary artist. Because while we all have a visionary artist inside of us, and many of us pursue that artist in our own creative light, it's a much smaller group that can speak to many, many, many people in a very strong way. There's still something distinct and different about a strong artist. Uh, and so what is this appeal? Why are, we, why are we attracted by this image of the visionary artist? And what, what I would offer to you is that the visionary artist represents a, a very uh, beautiful and, and interesting mixture of two different sides of what we're about. And one of those sides is a, a kind of, not quite nostalgia, but a deep intuition that there are ways of knowing and being that lie outside of the modern world that we grew up with, whether we think about it as a return of tribal reality, of a shamanic reality, of a, a kind of uh, uh, ecstatic religion of nature. There's a lot of different ways we have our own stories about what this longing is. And in many ways, the visionary artist is, the, is a great example of a shaman in the sense that not only do they participate in and experience these worlds of vision that have been produced by holy men and seers and, uh, and shamans throughout uh, human history, um, but they bring it back to us in a very obvious uh, formal way. It's right there to see. 
You can see it. It's an object in the community. It becomes an object of communication, a way that we understand one another. Because that's the thing, you know, sometimes people forget. The shaman doesn't just go into the worlds just because you arrive there and speak to entities and get messages and see the way the deeper levels of the mind work. That's not shamanism. Shamanism is what happens when you come back into the community. But we don't have a coherent, homogenous, tribal community. We have a modern or arguably postmodern community. You can say, yes, we're a tribe, we here at Burning Man, but not really. I mean, not if we're really going to honor what a tribe is, because a tribe is a very, very homogenous unit. And what we have here is a, a, you know, a chaotic symphony of subcultures. And while there's a shared resonance, and it and it's, makes sense to describe that as a tribe in some ways, in other ways we lose something. And part of what I'm kind of talking about here is that the other side of the equation, not so much the shamanism, the religion of nature, the return to tribalism, the return to some idea of a purely integrated self or purely integrated society, but instead the way in which we are still part of the modern world and still part of, or the postmodern world, of the technological, western, hyper-developed uh, juggernaut, juggernaut that's flowing towards the future. And so one of the things that's great about visionary art is you see this too, because we don't think of the visionary artist as a, as a religious uh, figure. They don't paint icons, you know, like in, you go into Byzantine churches and there's all these icons. I mean, remarkable works of art, but all the artists there don't think of themselves as artists. They are following in some ways, very, very prescribed rules about what image making is. And these are images that are designed not simply to represent or symbolize uh, spiritual reality, but to actually generate it, to channel it, so that by going and, and uh, uh, communing with an icon, you actually, uh, it works as a portal, the way that many of these paintings work as portals into other dimensions, into other le levels of the self. So in some ways, the, uh, the traditional Byzantine icon is a work of visionary art, but those artists are not thinking of themselves too much, always of course there's a little bit of ego involved, but they're not thinking of themselves as being primarily individual pursuers of their own individual vision. But of course that's what we see with visionary art. If there's commonalities, there's similar languages, but if it all looked the same it would just be cliched. In fact we know cliched visionary art, because yeah, okay the mandala, the fractal, got the fractal. You know, you can do interesting stuff with it occasionally, but mostly it's a dead language. Why? Because like modern art in general and like modern culture, we're involved in a co constant process of, of novelty generation, of innovation, and there's a tremendous emphasis on the individual artist. So while we may recognize that the visionary artist in some ways uh, reboots up the, the, the shamanic archetype, uh, it also very much comes out of the strain of Western art. There's a 150-year-old tradition of bohemian, avant-garde, drug-taking, wife-swapping, uh, you know, maniacs who are trying in, with a, a kind of passion that in many ways is lost in the contemporary art world, but that we see uh, in visionary art to just intensely manifest some specific vision, often with tremendous uh, religious and mystical uh, implications. You know, we think of abstract modern art as maybe being a kind of 
alienating and cold and sort of away from the, the rich, juicy world that so much visionary art talks about. But, but almost all of the early abstractionists, the first ones who moved away from realistic imagery following Impressionism, started just drawing lines and dots and squiggles and explosions of color, were, were meditators, they were mystics, they were theosophists. So there's a, a long-standing strain of a kind of modern spirituality that's open-ended and probing and changing that, in, that goes into uh, visionary art. And so a lot of what we see now is, is as much about our modern culture, our modern Western culture, as it is about the return of some kind of uh, shamanic reality. One thing you need to know, by the way, is that I don't know how much of Eric's thinking about visionary art is shared by the four artists whose panel immediately preceded his talk. As I remember the scene, the artists were kind of swept up by a mob of people who moved out the back of the tent in order to let another swarm of people who had been waiting outside to hear Eric's talk get in the front end. So my guess is that the artists didn't get to hear much of what Eric had to say that day, and so I hope that when they hear this, they, that I haven't misrepresented their opinions in any way. There is one thing that <laughs> and I'm sure of, however, and I know that Eric would uh, most likely want to, me to point this out to you as well. Uh, in Eric's rap that you just heard, there was a, a point where he described the archetypal bohemian artist, and he pointed out a few stereotypical traits of these artists. Now, I want to make it very clear that Alex, Allison, Martina, and Roberto definitely do not have... I was going to say any, but maybe uh, <laughs> be on the safe side. Maybe I better say they don't have all of the colorful traits that Eric enumerated. Not that I think there's anything wrong with being a, and I quote, bohemian, avant-garde, drug-taking, wife-swapping maniac, end quote. In fact, uh, many of my closest friends have a few of those traits. But, but I don't think that Eric meant to imply that to be a visionary artist, you had to have all of those traits. Of course, who knows? Uh, maybe it would help. <laughs> now, since this isn't a video podcast, I guess I'd better explain for the more serious of you among us that it's really hard for me to get through an entire podcast without having a little fun here and there. And After all, the main reason I'm doing these podcasts is to leave a few stories behind that my grandchildren can play to their grandchildren and so listen up, you future generations, and don't take me or yourselves too seriously. And now back to our regular programming. <laughs> uh, now after listening to these recordings, one of the recurring themes that I hear from these artists of vision is that perhaps it's time to put some legs under one of those creative ideas that we've all been having. One of the things I remember most about the panel is when Allison answered a question by saying, that's a great idea, why don't you do it? Now I know that the immediate answer to that question, at, at least from me, goes something like this. Yeah, I, I've got a bunch of really good ideas, but I'm broke and I don't have the resources to pull it off. However, uh, now I, I have to admit that the old saying about doing what you can with what you've got where you're at can go a long way to moving you in the direction of your dreams. For example, one of my dreams uh, quite a few years ago was to produce a lecture series that people could attend in cyberspace, or uh, cyberdelic space as I like to call it now. 
And to be honest, when I put together the first edition of the Palenque Norte Lectures in 2003, I really had no idea how to pull it off. In fact, nonetheless, my wife and I and some of our friends put a small stake in the ground at Burning Man that year, and somehow, magically, I think, it's just uh, grown into something that has actually surpassed my original dreams. So this year, collectively, we, we probably had a couple thousand people hear the Lincoln Norte lectures on the playa. And already many thousands more have heard the ones that I've podcast so far. Now back in 2003, podcasts hadn't been invented yet. But the lack of a medium to carry my dream didn't hold up our little group back then, and now that I've built up a little momentum, it's prompting me to uh, dream even bigger. And uh, you can grow your dreams that way, too. I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, just get started as best you can with the resources you have, and even if they're almost negligible, as they were in my case. It's really amazing what can happen once you take that first big step and risk having people laugh at you and give you a hard time about having another one of your crazy ideas. I think Alex said it best when he said, if you want to put yourself on the map, print the map. So why don't you go ahead and take a chance and march in the parade. You know, what you might lose if your idea flops uh, seems to me kind of insignificant compared to what the world would gain if you succeed. You know, this community, this visionary community of psychedelic thinkers is, in my opinion, the leading edge of the cultural creatives. You know, we've been to the edge. We've seen the wiring under the board. And uh, now it seems to me like it's time to begin realizing the fruits of those visions as we each do our own little part to help create a more sustainable and guy-in-aware human culture. And of course, don't forget to have a little fun along the way and do some dancing too. It's a journey, remember? Not a destination. Well, I better get out of here now, so uh, again my thanks go out to Darren, Mark, Michael, Brian, and all the rest of the Entheon Village crew and the supporters. And also thanks to Jacques Cordell and Wells, also known as Chateau Hayuk, for the use of your music here in the Psychedelic Salon. And for now, this is Lorenzo, signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>